My guest today is an old friend of mine, Dan Golden, the president and co-founder of BFO. He's the other half of uh, Dynamic Duo. We've already talked to Steve, so some of you will know a little bit about the background of the company. But I thought it'd be fun to hear the other side of the origin story. So welcome. Thanks, Dan, for coming on. Wonderful to be here. So I thought uh, just easy way to start. <laughs> An easy way to start is talk, uh, what, you know, what is BFO? What does it mean to you? What do you guys do that's different than the 3 billion other digital agencies? And, you know, what makes you, what makes you, you? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, um, Steve and I built the company that, uh, that we would want to work for and the one that we'd want to hire. And that's, that's kind of the lens that we look, uh, look at all of our decisions, whether it's a, uh, a small decision of, you know, what's our travel policy for, for an employee to, um, you know, as we're servicing our, our clients, um, uh, how do we think long-term and say things that are un- unpopular uh, today uh, for the good of the brand in the long-term? Mm-hmm. So there, you know, I think um, the reality of it is, you know, it's, it's the intangibles that make all of us different. Uh, I could, I could give you the pitch about our, our processes and our, our track record. I mean, that, is uh, the, the brands that we've uh, been able to work with and, and, and share success with. Um, that's, that's, that's a step ahead of <laughs> uh, uh, most of those billions out there, but um, you know, it, it comes down to, there's, there's no magic formula. You know, we've, we've had a lot of good luck. We've made a lot of our good luck. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think, one, one thing that has set things apart for us, if I look back at the 10 years in business uh, uh, and kind of how we've grown is uh, finding op- capitalizing on opportunities when they show up. Uh, and there, you know, I think a lot of, um, a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners, you have this vision of the way you want things to be or where you think you're going to sit in the marketplace. And we've been shooketh by what's showed up <laughs> yeah. many a time. Like, you know, if I, I uh, if I stuck with our original business plan, which was written on napkins at 3 a.m. in Las Vegas, uh, that that's a true story. I can't wait to hear that. Uh, we're going like, to unpack that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if we followed that, like it would have been a shit show. Um and, and we found a lot of left turns and right turns along the way. Don't you have um, to do that though? I mean, you, you, a little bit, you start with, uh, I think when you start in a business, especially if you're younger, you start with a little bit too much bravado and a little bit, this is going to work. This is how it's going to be only to find out that it's not going to work at all, but you can yeah. make it work, but you're just going to, you got to start over. You got to redo it. And this, the start over happens all the time, right? That's like every year you're looking yeah. at what you got to do, how you're going to do it. That's, it's not, it's, you don't set it and forget it. Yeah, that's uh, um, that's that's pride uh, that you need to like uh, get over Kill. quickly if you want to if you want to be in, if you want to stay in business of like you know I am so committed to making this work and my idea is so right and so good um, hot damn hot I mean, damn I have uh, probably 135 Google Docs uh, of different positioning ideas products cert- like. Uh, you know, and we ninety percent of them don't see the light of day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get. Uh, I'm giving some advice here. Is the the pride in your own ideas thing, and, and you you know, listen to be successful. A lot of it does take hard work and grit and putting a lot of hours and and love and time into things before it's uh, ready to drive revenue. Yeah, it does. Um, so there's there's a balance to all of that, but. Uh, your ability to shift and adapt to the marketplace and jump, jump on an opportunity that you weren't thinking of. That's, that's how most businesses get to the next level. Yeah. And that grit, that word you used, it's funny. That's come up in every single uh, interview I've done. Everyone I've talked to grit comes up. It's, it's, it's sort of like the secret ingredient to owning a business is you got to have grit. And if you don't have grit, you got to find a way to have grit. But I want, I want to just go back to quick on your opening statements. I think you were selling yourself a little short on the BFO. And when you said there's no special sauce, I just knowing you guys for as long as I have, I'm almost, God, almost the 10 years that you could talk about. I, I know there is a secret sauce that you have, and it's not in any kind of analytic platform or special ad buy thing. You're good at all that yeah. stuff. You wouldn't be in business if you weren't. But I think the special sauce you guys have, and I've, I've, I've been in awe of it for a long time is the the attention that you pay 
to the lives of the employees, to working at the company and making it a place that people want to be. I, to me, there's a lot of lip service around that at almost any company. You know, they're, they're either staunch work here or leave, or they really pretend to care. And some do care. And, and I just as knowing you and Steve as, you know, friends outside of the business too, you guys have put more effort than anyone else or anyone else that I know that owns businesses into crafting that experience, I guess, if you will, for employees to work at BFO. And I, I said it to Steve too. I think it's incredible. I think it's the dedication there is, um, it's not normal and it must be a fun, a fun place to work. And I know that like a lot of your employees that I also know, they've been there a long time and at, in the digital agency world, that's not very common. That's not a thing. You don't, you don't hang around because no one's nice to you and it's not a nice environment. That's not how it usually works. Yeah. Well, that's a, um, compounding that we're in the client services business and it's a tough, tough job to be on the agency side, trying to keep clients happy and, when there's 10,000 different numbers that, <laughs> that you're accountable for. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it, it takes focus. And uh, I can't say that we have it all figured out and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a moving target. And that's, that's one of the things that we've realized, you know, there's, there's sort of been different, you know, as I look at the peaks and valleys of uh, 11 years in, in business here, um, we've, we've, used to kind of look back like, Oh, well, it was really fun when these people were here and we had the office happy hour every day mm-hmm. uh, is just recognizing that, you know, people's needs and wants evolve. Um, you know, we, we have a remote culture. We have a lot of, uh, a lot of folks work from home. I'm doing this podcast from the basement because uh, of my home. Cause I, I like work from home on Mondays is, uh, um, is important to me. Yeah. Uh, and it is for a lot of folks here. So um, you know, it's, it, you know, there's, there's all this talk about work-life balance or work-life integration because there is no balance. And I, I believe in that. Um, you just have to have fun along the way and, and find as many ways to make that happen. Well, work's um, going to be part of your life. Always, so instead of making it some miserable job, make it part of your life. Yeah. Uh, and, and have fun with it. Be goofy <laughs> on, you know, there's a, there's a balance cause we need to get shit done and, uh, there's, there's always more, more work to be done than, uh, hands in and hours in the day. But, um, you just, I, I think Steve and I both like having fun and yeah. we try and bring that in as much, uh, you know, as much as we can. And, and the other thing is recognizing that other people have fun differently than me. Right. And, right. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's where a lot of, a lot of companies with great intentions, uh, you know, sort of the forced fun aspect of, you know, we're doing team building today, right? Right. Or happy hour from four to five. You all must stand awkwardly in the hallway. So it looks like we're having fun. Pretend you're friends. Um, <laughs> like, uh, so, and you know what, you need some of that. You need some integration. Like, you know, there, there are in any organization or group or family or whatever, uh, there's going to be, I don't even want to call it clicks, but groups, mm-hmm. Uh, and there's people you need to, you know, so in some cases, I think forcing some of that awkwardness gets people out of their shells and talking to new people. And, uh, usually good things come of that. Um, but you just, you can't be too forced with it. Um, yeah, and, you gotta keep you it. Know, we, we, we keep trying. Yeah. Well, th- and that's what I was kind of getting at is not most people will say it, but there's not a lot behind it. But every time I'm talking to you guys, there's some sort of consultant involved or you're, you're working through a plan to figure out how to, uh, you know, have a better office environment or what, you know, there's always, there's actual effort going into it as opposed to positive thinking and maybe just, you know, a vision board about how it would be nice if we had this community. So we'll just say it that we like it, but instead you guys, <laughs> yeah. you guys or, work on it. Yeah. Or, or the delusional thinking uh, for most, uh, most of the C-suites that, Everything's great. People are always happy when I meet them. Uh, right? uh, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a moving target and you got to keep trying. Um, and when you fail at some things, uh, acknowledge it, chuckle about it and keep trying other stuff. Yeah. And learn from it You move forward in a different way, but you can talk about it. You don't have to pretend that you're infallible. It's that doesn't, that never works because everybody but down below can see that they, they're, they work there. <laughs> they're in it every yeah. day. <laughs> So let's, let's just go back a little bit. You mentioned 10 years and congratulations, big milestone, 10 years in business. Um, 
how, let's go back to how it came to be. You know, what were you doing before uh, BFO that made you um, sort of suitable, you know, to, for you and team, you and Steve to team up and create something out of it. What were you doing beforehand? And then how did BFO start to come to be? Yeah, well, I, w- I was uh, a very ambitious career person um, uh, right after college uh, touring with the band uh, for a couple of years. So that was my main focus prior to uh, um, prior to getting into search engine marketing. And actually, uh, I started Be Found Local, uh, the first version of, of BFO. Um, very, it was a side project. So I, uh, I got a, the, my side gig with the band was a search engine marketing internship back in 2003, nice. right when Google launched Google ads. So that was a, uh, I picked the right thing to jump into. Yeah, I guess. Um, and I, I was an intern at consumer guide automotive and Steve ran the tech team there. So that we got introduced my first job. I was a lowly intern and, um, we did some experimentation. Search wasn't really a thing. There was no buy-in from the C-suite and uh, a group of us got together and made a bunch of changes to the site. Um, and uh, it went gangbusters. Yeah. And then uh, our bosses took credit for it and then asked us what happened. And we <laughs> said, all that SEO shit you said no to, uh, we implemented on these three makes. And uh, um, that's why leads are up, you know, 390% last yeah. month. Um, and so we You're got welcome. to collaborating there. What's that? You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Right. And good idea, sir. Yeah. Uh, so that's what got us started out. And my, my brother, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My, um, my dad did all sorts of different things. Never, never actually worked for anybody. My brother, uh, has started several companies. Um, and, and he had just started an energy efficiency company out in California. Um, they were called sustainable spaces. They rebranded to recurve. Um, and, uh, back then, I mean, I I like to call myself great at what I do, but like, it was just a matter of turning on Google AdWords when you weren't running Google AdWords and suddenly it was amazing. Yeah. They they generated a ton of leads and business from that. Um, and you know, he gave me, people were like, how'd you grow so fast, Matt? And he's like, my brother ran some campaigns for us. And so I, I had five or six clients on the side. Um, and I had a day job for a long time, uh, where, where be found local. I would like, I would go out into the parking lot at, at lunch and make sales calls. Um, I would sit in the car. Oh yeah. Yeah. And back, back then I was using outlook and like, I would get home and from like seven till 2 AM, I would send all my emails for the next day and they would all go out at like 6.50 in the morning. So yep. it seemed like uh, I was a real person on top of things. Uh-huh. Um, and that, you know, that went on, that chugged along for a while. Uh, I got a, um, Steve left and he started his own consultancy. Um, and I, uh, I went to work for Performix. We were bought by DoubleClick and bought, uh, sold to Google uh, back in 2007 or eight, I think. Um, and I left, I left shortly after that. And Steve and I had been sharing business for a lot of, a lot of years, side projects or consultants or consulting engagements that he was in where he brought up, brought me in. Uh, and it just made sense. We have, we, you know, I, we're, we're a little bit yin and yin, which is different than the typical uh, co-founder combination of like the wild visionary and then the like astute. Uh, math guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a little of both in all of us, but I think we're, we're both kind of goofy whack jobs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which you are, is, for sure. I can yeah, attest to that. And, and we, and we make it work. You know, it's, it's not always easy having two visionaries within an organization, uh, but the best idea wins. And, um, you know, we've, I think channeled uh, our energies and, uh, um, in, in the, in the right ways. Uh, but it's taken a lot of work. Oh, it's sure. taken a lot of, uh, self self-awareness to recognize, uh, what you shouldn't be doing and what you're not good at. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's like a marriage. It's a lot of compromise, a lot of, uh, you know, thinking about what's best for the, for the company and the group. And, um, back to the very first thing I said here of, um, not being too proud about the wrong things. Yeah, put the ego uh, in that check. That gets in the way of progress. Yeah, got to put the ego in check in order to, to, like you said, if you're both, 
If you're both having some big ideas, you got to be able to actually judge which one you should go with. And you can't always just say mine. Yes. <laughs> so uh, in these early days, you and Steve both have jobs and you both have uh, side gigs where you're working in the parking lot or at least you are. Steve's probably doing something similar and you're sort of trading clients and helping each other out where it makes sense outside of work with those businesses. So uh, do I have that right so far? Uh, you, you do. Uh, although Steve was, Steve was all the way in, uh, a couple years before I was. Oh, okay. Okay. And then how do you end up in Vegas writing a business plan on the, uh, on the napkin? Yes. Yeah, so one of my first clients who wasn't my brother, uh, it was another energy. It wasn't really energy efficiency, but there was a, uh, it was called Marin outdoor living. They're no longer in business, but it was a hot tub store. Out in, out in Marin County. All right. Brother knew the guy. Uh, they had a, a quick marketing conversation. He called. I explained the stuff that I did, and he was like, great. Um, so we turned on some campaigns for uh, for this one location. They sold a bunch of hot tubs, and their manufacturer asked them why, and they said BFO, or be found local at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, so we got invited to their annual hot tub convention in Las Vegas. Nice. And like, our whole, I still own the URL, like pimp my tub. Cause we had all these, all these ideas about, uh, being a digital marketing agency for this hot tub manufacturer. Got it. Uh, and, and you know, they're local dealers. And that, that was like, that was a horrible hypothesis, <laughs> but you were going to specialize had, in that little hot tub market and yes, hit all the, yes. hit all the vendors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we were out there, like we bought, we bought, had a bag full of swag and we like show up at this hot tub convention without a booth. You know, I have like, a feeling if you had, dealers. I have a feeling if you had made that work, you'd still have the velour suits. <laughs> I, I still, I still would. I probably with a more legit explanation. Yeah. For yeah. Why I wear them so often. <laughs> sorry. Sorry to derail you. Go, go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, but that was, that was it. We were, um, Steve Anand and, uh, and myself, we, uh, I got to tell you about this guy cause his, his story is incredible. Uh, but it was after the, you know, after the convention, after we went out drinking, we, you know, talked about sort of this, uh, you know, this model of going after like manufacturers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cha- channel sales. Um, cause you know, before that it was a little more focused on, I mean, I reach local was just starting at the time. I was hideously stupid in believing that like I could scale a digital marketing agency for SMBs and do it without having to like talk to and service and build a company. I was convinced this could be like a multi-million dollar side project and I could just automate everything. Sure. Of um, course. I mean, like, you, of why course. wouldn't you be able to? <laughs> um, but that, that's, what so, I, that's some of that bravado I was talking about in the beginning where, you know, sometimes to just go ahead and go, uh, go all in on something, you have to be a little bit delusional and then get your reality check later and, and course correct. You, if you if you knew it was going to be as hard as it is or if you knew you had to go through all the hoops that you're going to have to eventually jump through, you probably wouldn't do it. Yeah. No, that is, uh, um, that is, that is very true. You know, some of the, um, you know, the, the what ifs keep a lot of people from, uh, from the what's possible. Yeah, for sure. Luckily, I'm not usually bothered by what ifs. <laughs> they come up as oh shits later, but I don't, I don't think of them as what ifs. Yeah. Um, so, so one, one thing, uh, so a distributed team. So I mentioned Anand. Yeah. Um, he was a, a friend of a friend from college. Um, brilliant, brilliant person um, who really just wanted to get involved in a startup. Uh, and so he was kind of our number, uh, our number three for the first couple of years. Um, and he went on to, we realized he was great at recruiting people. And some, some folks that are still with us today uh, interviewed with Anand. Uh, and he was working remotely for us from, anywhere from Malaysia to Mongolia. Wow. He's, he's like Tony Blair's right-hand man running one of his organizations. And it was like transforming the government of Mongolia and also interviewing people for be found online <laughs> in the morning. No, it makes like sense. It, 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 that totally makes sense. Yeah. No, there, there were people in Chicago close to our office who had a phone screen, uh, you know, on a video conference to Mongolia. That's awesome. Uh, and we're like, who, what kind of company, who are these people? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that was, but you know what? It worked. It was a quirk. We made it work. It was funny. And like, I like did a quirk. great job. And like, you know, it, we, we've, um, 
I don't know, we've, we've always, maybe by design and maybe just for fun, we always, always done things a little bit differently. And maybe it's just because of who you are. (laughs) (laughs) So then you're in Vegas, you're uh, trying to put together an agency and Steve's involved at this point with helping out the hot tub king of the West Coast. Yeah. Steve, it was, it was Steve and I shaking our bacon on the floor there. Uh, And, you know, it, we got a little bit of momentum, but it was, you know, on that napkin, we did a little math. We're like, okay, well, this one's paying 150 a month. And so we just need, oh, wow. If we all want to get paid a living, we need like 400 of them. That's it. That's a lot. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's where, that's where we had some reality checks. Yeah. Um, but we kept, we, you know, we kept plowing along and, you know, the thought was to build that model across other manufacturer organizations. We had a, um, then we had uh, these like uh, screen door install. Anyway, you know, you, you no, kind of you kind of find these these n- niches, and then uh, fast forward a couple of years, I was uh, on the rooftop of a Cubs game, and it was the seventh inning, and the rooftops it's it's an open bar, so I was uh, I was a little bit tipsy, I would say, by uh, by the seventh inning, and I got a phone call um, from a, from an old friend saying we're pitching pet boys tomorrow. Uh, and they just asked me to build digital. Uh, are you still doing that agency thing you just started? And could you give us some slides for the pitch? Uh, <laughs> and I slurred. Yes. Got a, got a big cup of coffee, met Steve, stayed up all night, making up a bunch of stuff we'd never done before and pitched it. And, uh, it, and apparently we weren't in the room. We just sent these slides over yeah. and uh, of the 150 things that were presented uh, to them, uh, they said that they picked two of ours and said, we need to start that tomorrow. Wow. Uh, and that's, that's when things really kicked into, kicked into gear. I didn't have, I, I still had a day job and uh, we had uh, Pep Boys and Ashley Furniture as a client. Wow. Um, and so that was when we realized that this was becoming a business and, it was time to jump in with all three feet. Yeah. They, cause they probably required more servicing than the hot tub guy. Right. It was more, it could be more work. <laughs> yeah. Well that, and, and so we, we quickly sh- um, shifted our focus from uh, working with SMBs to working with agencies mm. and that, um, that catapulted us. Uh, we found a, found a niche that other, other agencies weren't, uh, didn't have depth in and built our business through partnerships. Yeah. And that was nowhere close to the original business plan. Uh, it just, uh, uh, it was opportunities that came up and like, like many service firms, initially you grow through referrals and word of mouth. And mm-hmm. um, that is, uh, that's really how we started. You know, before we kind of, I wouldn't say we had a real company. It, our website made it look like it initially, yeah. but um, you know, uh, that that's uh, and and that's that's the cusp, you know. From uh, I, I I know a lot of folks that are a little more self aware and uh, about what they want to be doing the, mm-hmm. the the route of being a solopreneur or a consultant uh, versus building a business because uh, they're you know it's it's a big that's a pretty giant fork in the road and one that I would recommend you think about and talk to people that have gone both routes. You know, I know a number of folks that have. Um, you know, that have built big companies or big agencies and that don't want to do that again. Yeah. That don't want to pay, that don't want the payroll that don't want to all, all of the, all of the things that, you know, the blessings and the curse of that goes, that goes with it. Um, you know, some people figure out this is what I just really love doing these strategy sessions and I don't want to have to, you know, hire a salesperson and an account director and, deal with all the things that it, uh, that it takes to, to scale a company. No doubt. Some people love what they started the business for not running a business. It's a yeah. whole different job. So how, how long was it going on, um, from having that first, you know, the first be found local assignment and sitting in your car, calling on people to calling BFO real. Um, I think six or seven years. I mean, it was, I was, there were years when I was just maintaining uh, a bunch of the freelance clients and, uh, or, or the freelance clients, the, the original be found local clients. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so it was, it was around for a while. Um, you know, I, I think it was, I don't think I ever put it on the shelf. 
Uh, but there were, were several years uh, when I was kind of learning things at a big agency. Yep. Um, you know, where it was <laughs> chug, chugging along, but not, a, a, you know, wasn't the grand focus. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, I, I, but of course, until I jumped in with two feet, it wasn't going to take off. So that's, no, a, you know. No, but what I was getting at is sometimes there's, that's a necessity is having one foot in and getting your grounds and getting your bearings. And it's not, you don't, you don't have to turn the lights on day one and just be all in for some, yeah. for some that's the right way, but for others, it's, 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 you got to take time. So six or seven years with Be Found Local, how long after you and Steve started talking does Be Found Online? So was he like in the latter half of those years or was it the whole time? Uh, we were kind of, we were dancing the whole time. Okay. So he's got his consultancy uh, you know, on the, I'm, on the flip side and you're, and you're doing be found local and you're working together and yeah, just kind yeah. of getting to know each other, I guess, and how you work together. Yeah. Share, like sharing some opportunities. The, the, the very simple line was he was SEO and I was paid. Yeah. So he would, you know, and he, he is a, a master of, uh, of all things SEO. So he had a, developed a reputation. He would get calls and they would say, Oh, we need help with our paid search too. And he would bring on Dan. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there was, there was one, we did that for a couple of years and it just got, uh, the relationship got more serious. Well, and that's uh, kind of how you guys formed in the BFO that I know was, you know, the paid side and the SEO side and everything that comes together, uh, for those two, but it was still, it was still that way, at least early on. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, one thing I would say, uh, when I, when I jumped in with two feet, um, as I already had clients in a revenue stream, uh, and you know what, I, like, I don't, re I don't regret it. I don't regret any, any decisions I made because the, you know, when I stayed at performance for an extra couple of years, I learned a ton about how to do the big, <laughs> how to do the big game and met some amazing people and got a ton of experience. So, um, I wouldn't have done it differently, but, um, maybe I would have been a lot further along if I had jumped in and didn't wait to, you know, wait till it was less scary uh, because there was already clients and revenue there. Yeah, or so maybe you would have crashed and burned because you didn't know how to handle the bigger <laughs> accounts. <laughs> you don't, you never yeah, know. That, yeah. So, um, so is it the pet boys and Ashley that makes you put the other foot in? Is that when you quit your job and you're now BFO? Yeah, that was the, uh, um, that was, that was a tipping point. And it, it was, um, I was, uh, I was very ready. And that was where my, like, that was where my passions were, you know, that, that was back in the, back in the early days where I was up till 2am working on something every day. Yep. I remember um, those times. <laughs> I can still do it on occasion and I still get the, uh, I still have the drive and the energy, uh, around, uh, around it when I'm building a new product or some, you know, something, it, but now that I'm older and have kids, I just can't. Right. I, I, no, I no, I can't. <laughs> yes. It's, I, it's a no, a hard I, no. I, I will, uh, I will be discovered on the couch with the laptop open, uh, and the eyes closed. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I fall the same. I'm, I'm victim to the same thing, especially if we're working on something, something that's outside of the norm or really cool. Something that's just a little bit different. I I'm, I'm guilty of that same, you know, that, young type of passion and wanting to work on it more than there are hours in the day. So, but, uh, normally that's like nine o'clock at night now, not two o'clock at night, you know, that I'm, if the laptop's <laughs> still open and I'm hammering away instead of going to bed. So yeah. what, what's it like in the early days? It's you two and pet boys, right? So how, how does it yeah. t take me through the next few stages of what, what, how does the business come together? Uh, do you start hiring people out of necessity or because you want to be a business? You know, how does, how do you start to move forward? Yeah, we hired, well, we hired an intern together and, and she became full, um, eventually became full time. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was, yeah, it was sort of this like cobbling, you know, I, the way I look back, it's, I felt like we were cobbling together a fake company. Um, cause we didn't have, you know, we, people weren't on salary yet. We weren't, we were just sort of, we met in this coffee shop, uh, and then we, uh, uh, we, we got our friend's apartment. She still, she still lives there. We've been, we've been back to the original, but she had a three, <laughs> a friend had a three bedroom apartment and she worked out in the suburbs during the day. And we didn't want to, we wanted it to be different enough that it wasn't my house or your house. 
and like coffee shops are obnoxious when you're in the client service build yes. business trying to make calls. Mm-hmm. So we would go to Sandy's house and uh, uh, someone would be in the kitchen. Uh, someone would be in her guest room that had a little desk. Uh, someone was in the living room in front of the TV. And then she had like a desk over there and we just turned her house in a, our office. That's awesome. uh, and if we were still there at six, when she got home, we had to make her a margarita. Nice. Uh, was, was the deal. Small price um, to pay. Yeah. Uh, but it, so it was cobbling, to, you know, uh, cobbling together. And um, we hired a, uh, another couple of remote folks and we would sort of meet up. And um, a couple of years after we had smushed our companies together, we, maybe there was one, one year after we got an office and that's, that's when, that's when, that's when shit got real. Yeah. <laughs> Added more responsibility. It's more fun. Yes. Elise. Um, and that there's just so much, so many options for that nowadays. You know, the, 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 the whole commercial lease uh, for an early stage company, like I, I know we could all laugh at we work and uh, how they fumbled 2019, <laughs> but uh, that model, it's, it's a lot more attainable for someone to start a business. Yeah. Regardless, it's a lot easier. regardless of the pain they're going through the, it, it created something that's not going to go away. And it's, it's, it's huge for small business. Cause that, that I agree the whole commercial uh, just, it used to be such a nightmare even going back. Like so we're 19 years old now and going back to trying to find office space, you know, it was, You'd, it would take so much time to drive around to the places that had ads for commercial space to tour them all, to figure out what the hell they even mean by all their numbers. Cause they don't work the same as renting apartments or buying a house or any of that sort of stuff. And I didn't know what it meant. And then trying to figure out how to build the space out to fit people in. To, it was, it was a, it was an, it was a total and nightmare. Having to decide on like, they're like, well, would you like a five year or a seven year or a 10 year? And I'm like, what? Yeah, are you like, kidding I, me? I, I want a month to month. Yes. Uh, and let, you know, luckily our first office, we got a one year lease, um, and, uh, we filled it up and we're ready to grow out of it. Uh, and, and ended up finding the perfect space, um, rare that, you know, that you find a place with the one year, uh, with, with the one year lease. Yeah. Um, that is, we were, we got lucky too early on. We found a, a really, the business owner, I mean, the building owner was a really cool guy, nice guy. And he was into small business. So we, I don't remember, to be honest, so it obviously wasn't that big of a deal how long the term was, whether it was one, two, or three, but he was flexible with it. So we were in that building for probably five years, and we were probably in five different offices in that building. Where So we started out with like the smallest thing he had where the door didn't even lock, and it was like you know an upside-down door for a desk. Uh, and then by, by the time we moved out of the building, I think we are in like 4,000 square feet with cubicles and kind of it didn't even look like us anymore. It looked like a, I don't know. It looked that when I look back, it was, it was all proud moments to, to build that out and have the space. But looking back now, it looked like an accounting firm that it just, I can't even place myself there. It was too organized and too, it looked like a business. It didn't even look like something I'd be involved in. <laughs> yeah. There were definitely some, some points along the way where we, we both had the realization this is kind of like a real business. Yeah. Well, I think that, that, that fraud fear you were talking about where you're cobbling together and trying to pretend you're a real business, I think that's real because there's, a, there's, a, there's time in the beginning where you're, you know you can do it, but you haven't been doing it for very long or at all. And you're, you've got that, you got that in the back of your head, you know, that when, and people are asking, so who, who are your clients? Well, you, if you sign on the dotted line, but other than that, I don't have any, you know, and that's, that's a reality. And that's a reality that you have to face. And it's not, it's not, a, it's not a comfortable position. We can laugh at it now because we're, we're not there anymore, but it's, it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty uncomfortable when you have to go through it, but you do, you do have to go through that. You do have to have those, those growing pains and those uncomfortable moments where you're, you're, you know, you're a bit of a fraud, you know, you're, you're going to be yeah, that until you, you make it work. <laughs> You know, I, I think, uh, um, call it optimism or stupidity. Uh, I think the, uh, in my mind, I, I could do all these things. Oh, and for I, sure. Listen, this, the, the, this, this goes today to, to challenging clients or unproven startups of, uh, the, you know, the belief that like, I am best in class at what I do. And if anybody can make this work, I can, and we can, and we will do everything we, you know, but like, we took on 
clients that were like not viable businesses. Mm -hmm. And there was no way, you know, no way that this $5,000 paid campaign um, would give them a monetization model. Mm -hmm. Right. And and it's, um, so, you know, realizing um, where, what lanes you need to be swimming in and who the good clients are, right. As you know, as you start out, anybody with a credit card who, uh, who wants to hand it to you. Yeah. Um, but the, the quicker you can get to understanding who you really want to be working with and where you can add the most value, uh, that, that will, that will save you years. Yeah. Yeah. I will. And, and it, it's not only helpful in, from a monetary standpoint where you can be a little bit more, uh, predictable, but it's, from personal reward, I find that it makes a huge difference when you can get involved with clients and projects and there are things that you want to be involved in as opposed to, yeah, let me have your credit card and then I'll, I'll not that you're not going to do the work or not going to work hard, but it's a different thing. You're chasing, you're chasing that credit card and trying to have a transaction to keep food on your table as opposed to engaging the project, you know, with your brain or your passion or what you know, because you're here to solve the problem for that business. It's a, it's a very different feeling. Uh, it is. And I, I would say same thing within your organization as you get to a certain point, um, you know, if you're involved in a growing business, like there are things that you've always done. And so you always do them cause you've always done them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say when, uh, when I had my first, uh, my first son, or I guess I only had one son. So, uh, <laughs> five and a half years ago, first son so far. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I gave a lot of stuff away when I went on paternity leave and, when I came back, I didn't take it all back. I picked what I wanted to be doing and where I, where I could add the most value. And, um, turns out there was a lot of stuff running better when I wasn't in the middle of it. Uh, and that was a, you know, eye opening for me, <laughs> added a little humility, but also, uh, let me focus on, uh, on the right areas. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think you don't necessarily have to have a kid to do that, uh, from time to time is just, take a step back and look at where you're spending most of your time. And, um, you know, that, that can be how and where you decide to grow more of a company is you realize the stuff you don't want to be doing or that you're not really great at, and then find someone to do that. Yeah. What are the things you're screwing up for everybody? <laughs> there was plenty. Yeah, plenty. sure. I'm sure we all, we all have that. Uh, one more, just one more thing about the, the origin story. I don't think we touched on it. What, what made you want to go out on your own? you had the job with the doing the challenging work in the search area that you liked and and that sort of stuff. What, what made you want to do it yourself? I've always had a drive to, to build things. The family thing Um, combined with your drive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't think I've never described it as such, uh, you know, that like my dad was an entrepreneur, my brother's an entrepreneur. So I will be an entrepreneur. God, Damn it. In the golden bud, uh, like, it, but of course I'm influenced by that, right? Like, I, my dad made inventions for boats and was a real estate developer and had a retail store, like all all sorts of stuff. So I grew up seeing that, and uh, I think wanting to, you know, wanting to build, wanting to build something, you know, I, I think um, having, like, I, I had a ton of fun with my day job when I was at performance, great people. I like my bosses. Like it was, it wasn't like I, I, I was at this, like, I can't work for people moment. Um, but I wasn't as passionate about that as I am about building something. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, I think it was really just aligning where, where I spend my time with, with, with my passions. And if you find something that you want to be up at two in the morning doing, and, and you aren't resenting it, but you're, excited about what you're doing and uh then do do that thing you and you seem to be genuinely excited not not just by bfo or building that but by search like it's been something that always seems to get the fire in your eyes if you start talking about search and you do you do uh, speeches now you do you give talks and you 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 do keynotes and that type of set of stuff now right I, I do. I spent a lot of time talking about this stuff. Yeah. How did, uh, how did that cool. come to be? How did it, how did you, how did you go from the scrappy kid chasing hot tub manufacturers to doing the keynote speeches and, uh, you know, educating actual digital marketers on the best practices with search and voice and all the stuff that you're doing? Yeah, I think it's a, um, it's just, it 
it comes down to passion. I mean, yeah. I spent a lot of time reading about this stuff, right? There's a certain level of, you know, experience and, uh, and, and all of that. But I, I think it is, I think it's just the passion and excitement. Like I, I'm, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a digital marketing nerd at heart and I embrace that. And, you know, as, as you sort of transition from being a practitioner to running a company, um, one thing I've done is found my way back into being a practitioner, mm. um, back to running camp, running some of the campaigns for BFO, uh, getting more involved in client work. Uh, cause that like, cause I love it and it's exciting and fun. And, um, so I, I guess just not, not losing your craft as you, as you focus on, on building a company. Yeah. Um, do you find the speaking gigs help you keep closer in the craft too, because you're going to have to actually get up and give these people something oh yeah. they haven't heard yet. Yeah. Talk about the imposter syndrome. Like, like it, you, you want to be, I got to be at the top of my game. Like I, uh, I, and listen, I love learning from the the folks that I speak to. I do a lot at, uh, you know, between Northwestern and, and DePaul. I've been teaching classes there, Steve as well. Um, and I, I learn a lot of new stuff from, uh, from them. And uh, but yeah, I've got, I mean, I basically have a PowerPoint presentation that's 170 slides long open every day and I read the news every day. And as I find new stuff, I update slides and it's, uh, that, that has been my practice of mm. having like a resource that I work on. Yeah. Uh, so there's, you know, there's sort of a purpose to going out there and reading blogs and, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, um, you're either moving forwards or backwards yeah. in business. So I, I'm such a victim to, to my own craft as well. I mean, I, cause I, I know what people are doing when they release content online. We make content for people, but I'm a sucker for it. I'm constantly taking in the content that I want to watch. And, you know, whether it's YouTube or blogs or, or podcasts, I love podcasts. Wherever I'm getting it, I'm taking in content constantly. You know, and I always, it's funny because you have that, um, those glasses where you know what's going on when you can smell if they're using it for marketing or if it's an authentic piece or not that using it for marketing is bad, but you can smell like where the content comes yeah. from and what the origin is of it. But at the same time, I think I'm easier prey than regular people because I, I get sucked in even by the effort that it took to make the content as opposed to just, just watching it and being a, you know, either care or I don't care. Right. right. Just to, just consider. No, totally. I mean, I have the, I have the opposite of banner blindness. Yeah, I yep. see ads on a page, and I'm like, I mouse over to see where their ad server is. <laughs> yep, I yep. click it, and I watch the URL string so I can see the redirect that they're using, and then I read their UTM variables to tell me the traffic source and the name of the campaign, uh, and then I look for the code on the landing page to see if I'm being A/B tested. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's just that's how I consume media. Right. Probably <laughs> not mainstream, but you know, that's the fun way to I, I live be this an year. ad. <laughs> um, I. I, I I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm a sucker. But I want to talk about um, the business and life because that's one of the best parts about owning a business is the business can impact your life, but you can also impact the business where it's usually a one-way street for people that have jobs, right? So I'm sure that over the 10 years, because you guys were younger when you started the business. You didn't necessarily have wives and children. I know Steve had wives and children before you did. So in this journey, you've actually gotten married, had your family start to grow. How has the company, uh, you don't have to rush to an answer, but how has it changed over the years? In other words, the early years when you're a, a bachelor ready to work at 2 a.m. and then you know, you're know you eventually gonna marry your wife and then you're gonna have children. And how is the business different? How have you used your influence and what's going on in your life to shape that? Yeah. Well, that, you know, it, it is, you know, the, the business has kind of grown up with my family <laughs> uh, as I, as I think about it, uh, you know, those timelines kind of, a um, kind of align when we, when we met and I was just starting out, didn't even have an office yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so it evolves, you know, everything is, is, is evolving. I, I think uh, um, as I am, uh, you know, it, it would have been a much different turn if we had, if I had gotten married a little earlier or if we had kids uh, during BFO's first couple of years. Um, that's a, that's a very different than being a, you know, um, uh, a bachelor with a lot with that. You know, you, you think about things differently when you have kids and tuition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think 
not just tuition, but time. Time becomes a very different thing when you have kids. Yes, I am uh, in, in but let's say professionally from a workflow standpoint, I'm like five sevenths the man that I used to be. Because <laughs> Saturday and Sunday, man, I've, uh, I'm building the Lego towers and doing, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in it. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it, it uh, you know, it, it changes. I can't say there's been one fundamental shift. It's not like I, I had kids and realized life wasn't about business. Like I haven't had any epiphanies like that. I, I feel like I've had a relatively healthy perspective on, uh, on, on both sides of my life. Uh, even though I don't always have a very healthy balance. Like sometimes I most definitely am a workaholic or I, I you know, uh, that, that is a, a tendency that I need to fight and step back and always question myself about priorities. Yeah. Um, I found having a family woke me up to but that I, and it made me much better at it. So it's, I don't do any less work, but I'm a lot more governed about when I will work and when I will take a phone call and when I will be engaged by clients and when I'll be engaged by my kids or, or my wife. You know, there, I, I definitely used to be the, the classic type a workaholic where the, I was, even if I, wasn't, or I always felt and I acted beholden to clients. It was, uh, you know, if you say jump, I'll jump. I was working. If, it, if something had to happen, I was going to make it happen right now, where now I, I'm a lot more careful. It's still going to happen and it's going to happen when you need it to happen. But the way I get there is going to be very different. I'm going to craft the path differently because I'm also going to be at the hockey game, the Cub Scout meeting, the snowboard meet, uh, the jujitsu match. I'm going to be at all those things with my kids too. So I'm, it's going to have to happen somehow between now and then, but it's going to be more of a ping pong than it is a sprint. Yeah. But I like that. I like that. I like that. I designed that, you know, it's up to me. That's something that's important to me. So I can, I can work at nine o'clock after they're asleep. I can work, I can do different things where I don't, you know, it's just, a, it's the next level of what you're alluding to with your work at home Mondays, where you can get done what you have to get done. And that's from a personal perspective, as well as the, the work perspective, where if you had to be nine to five, which is nowadays seven to seven for most people at a job visible in the office, that takes away a lot of what you, you, you know, what you can do as far as managing your time, however you best to get it done. You have to just do it yeah. while you're there. No, I get, I get so much done on these days and an average of like five to eight loads of laundry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, doesn't, I, I, yep. it doesn't detract from my work. I'm in the basement. It's right here. I'm contributing to my house. It kind of energizes me, you know, in, in these little four minute spurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that, that's the, um, call it balance, call it, you know, it's, it's shaping, uh, listen, I, I'm at the, um, I'm accountable to my customers. I'm accountable to my employees. I've got, um, it's not like it's all easy and, you know, maybe there, I have the freedom of owning a business and making some of these decisions. And um, I, I don't think freedom is the word to describe being a business owner when you have all the responsibilities that go along with it. No, uh, just but, options, not freedom, but options. Right. It's your choice. It's options. And it's, you know, and, it, and it's also, you know, it gives me these options. And frankly, like this is these the kinds of options I want my employees to have, mm. right? I, I don't want this to just be the, the owner perk we, we give. And that's, you know, reducing friction in life and just making it easier to like, we, we, we very much openly communicate within BFO when we're going to be gone or out. Uh, but you know, nobody's asking for permission about a dental appointment. Like, right. It's not it. Right. right. And uh, on the um, building business and the building things you brought up, you're, you're in a lot of groups, right? Different uh, business or business owner groups and all kinds of different groups. What do you like? Why, I guess, what do you get out of that? Do you, is it the giving back to the group on what you've learned as well as taking lessons from it? I know you spend a lot of time with it. I'm wondering what, what makes that satisfying? Yeah. It's, well, it's, you know, it's both, you know, I, I have um, com- compatriots in the, the digital marketing sphere uh, where we've, you know, we have what I call agency owner therapy sessions uh-huh. where we don't brag where it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about the, the, the slog with, uh, um, you know, with, with uh, uh, solidarity, let's say. 
Um, but, uh, you know, other groups getting outside of the world that I live in, you know, where everything is digital and our output is spreadsheets, you know, talking to someone that builds shoes yeah, or, uh, or a consulting company, like through small giants and conscious capitalism and, um, young entrepreneurs council. Like I, I love talking to other people about it just, it breaks me out of my world. It breaks me out of the stuff that I stare at every day, uh, to, to learn from other businesses business leaders that are facing just very different challenges uh, for me that uh, in a lot of cases, especially with conscious capitalism, like our, our values align in a lot of ways of the things that we care about, but we have very different business, you know, ways of doing business, right? Like there are, right. Um, I, I care so much about the world around me, but at the end of the day, you know, there, there are businesses out there that are cleaning up the ocean and my business is, uh, you know, making more money for brands. Right. So but I, one of those brands, a- one, one day, one of those brands might be cleaning up the ocean and then you help them right. to do a better job running their business and yeah. being more profitable. And now you've made your impact on the oceans. That is a, our, uh, that is the direction we're going. You're a hero. Uh, now. We're working. We want to work with businesses that give a damn because uh, we believe business can be a force for good in this world. So that's uh, I agree. That drives us back to the groups. How? How did you find them? I know, and the reason I'm asking, I, I know you're into them, and specifically small giants and conscious capitalism. You've been involved in those for a while. I think that as a professional, people are constantly bombarded with you need to network, network. You need to be in networking events, networking opportunities, and then especially as a business owner, you get hammered with that. Where most of them are a waste of time, and they're not going to give you what you're looking for. And I don't mean that they're not just going to be lead factories. That's not what you go into it expecting. But I think to find a good group, like the two that you've found you, there's a give and a take, like you were mentioning, but how do you come across this? Did you, did you weed out 40 to get to those? Were you lucky and you stumbled upon them and didn't ever go to any other awkward, someone <laughs> looks at your name tag. So Dan, what oh, yeah, do you no, do? Yeah, no, we've like, um, I've been to plenty of useless networking events and you know, not useless, just, uh, um, yeah, the the everybody's got a business card. Uh, um, what I've what I've loved about small giants and conscious capitalism is just the openness of. Um, that's not why you go to the. You know, that's not why. That's not your purpose. It's not like I'm, you know, paying to go to an event to get leads. Um, so that uh, that to me, when the intent is there to like, I am here to learn. I'm here to share, uh, and I, you know, I, I feel like I have found just a, a tribe of open people who care about each other in the world and are there to, you know, to help YEC young entrepreneurs council, right. A bunch of like 20 something entrepreneurs, uh, now 30 something like we've, th- this group is aged since I started, <laughs> uh, started in there, but like everybody just legit wants to help other people. And, and I, I'm sure we all want to do business with each other. And I've, I've, you know, I've done business with a couple of folks there, but like it is, you know, finding communities of other like-minded folks that just want to help. And, and of course there's a, you know, there's a, there's a give, <laughs> you know, it's pretty, it becomes pretty apparent when someone joins one of these groups and is uh, pushing their services too hard or yeah. not adding value in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I would, I would, uh, those are two great organizations. So I will happily give them a plug, but find your tribe. It's you know, nice it's, to it's, have a tribe uh, too, right? Especially of people that aren't doing exactly what you do. So there's just an inherent like safe space where you can speak about, cause there's a lot of, someone might be a shoemaker, like you said, and you're a digital marketer, but there's a lot of things that come together with running a business, whether it's making shoes or digital, right? So it's nice to be able to talk to people just about that because not everybody you come across in daily life owns a business and it's a different conversation that you can have because they get certain things. They understand certain, uh, gotchas and good things and pain points and bullshit. They, 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 you can speak a different language and it's just kind of nice once in a while to, to be able to. It, it is. I, you know, I think there are, um, there's less, some people are afraid to share things that they're afraid of challenges, all of that, um, you know, for fear that they're going to be judged or that, you know, uh, 
Um, I, I would just say in those environments, even if you're at a, like a BS networking event where people are handing out business cards and, um, you've got the, why am I here playing in the back of your head? Uh-huh. Um, you gotta meet one, meet one person. And you know, if you toss out a get real statement first, uh, oftentimes that that's all you need to make a legit connection with someone else is to, um, let the guard down first. And, uh, you're going to have a much, uh, hopefully more big talk, less small talk. That's yeah. It. I think I just didn't, I was never patient enough. I was, I would go to the events and everybody that would walk, it was like single serving conversations and everyone that would walk up was waiting for their turn to speak. And it just, it, there was never, it, it almost never felt like real engagement. I'm talking about the, you know, the types of events where you, you all gather for a cocktail hour or whatever it is at some innovation center and nobody's, yeah. it was, first of all, it was always at least 30% people that work for banks that were, that were wandering around talking to you. And then, and then it was just a bunch of other people that either don't have a business or they work in a sales role. And it was almost never like what you've got with small giants or, or it was never just like what I have with this show, even where I'm just talking to other business owners for an hour or two hours and just hanging out and commiserating or being happy. And it, it's nice to have those, like you were just talking about those legitimate, honest conversations but sometimes those environments are so guarded and they're so, you know, you, there's, you got to figure those people too. They're sent there by their boss to go sell something, to go bring back leads, you know? And then, so it's, yeah. you, I don't know. I just, it was always hard for me. So I've always been envious of people that have found and take part in groups that they really like. And they really, they find fruitful like you do at small giants. I've, I've always, I just, I think it's a cool thing to be involved in. What, um, has there been anything along the way where it was a big aha lesson or something about owning a business, uh, something that you've kept with you over the years and, and don't easily forget. You're asking for the grand epiphany. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you what mine was. It's hard to work. It's hard to manage people over time. Like it's hard to keep people like happy, uh, productive, how, you know, you can insert any word after keep, you know, keep them working, keep them happy, keep it, but it's hard. People are the hardest thing in the business. Uh, well, I'm not going to disagree with that. Um, you know, I, I think the, uh, the, my, my epiphany and I kind of started out talking about this is, is sort of the, the toucan, toucan Sam, follow your nose. Um, you know, the, the, um, don't be afraid to challenge your initial hypothesis and go, go where the food is. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and eventually, you know, early, early on, um, and listen, I, I believe that we are, uh, maybe we've taken a few too many left and right turns, just chasing the next, uh, the next opportunity. Um, and so not all of those have, you know, have worked out. Um, but I, I think that's why we survived and why we thrived. Uh, is just being, you know, being nimble and going after opportunities that weren't in your initial hypothesis. Yeah. And even if all the turns aren't beneficial, I think you learn a lot from, from the maneuvers so that when the time comes that you have to maneuver, you you at least know how, you know what it feels like. You're like, oh, okay, we, we know what this is. We can, we can pivot. We can, we can change. As far, uh, you mentioned a bunch of times you like building things. Is there anything else on the horizon outside of BFO? Any other interests you're thinking of pursuing or have or other things going on in parallel? Yeah. Well, uh, there's there's a few. I, I mean, I've been building things within BFO the last couple of years. And that's been... Like what? I, I would say that is that has re-energized me. I've, um, uh, for our B2B practice, I, I built LinkedIn 360, uh, which is our approach to account-based marketing and uh, bridging the gap between sales and marketing. Uh, so some of that is just building stuff within your own company. Uh, again, if you realize, you know, you're, you're spending all your time operating and not actually building and adding value to the business, that's a, um, a, a wake up call. Um, and then, uh, I'm, I'm launching a, um, it's going to be a website initially, uh, for the conscious consumer movement, um, recognizing a gap out there of, uh, consumers that want to do good with their wallets. Uh, there's a disparate amount of resources out there. If depending on whether you care more about carbon emissions versus, uh, plastics versus, um, equal pay. Like there are so many different things that people care about differently. Mm. Uh, and, um, very, very excited about this project that is 
um, running in parallel to what uh, what we're trying to accomplish with BFO and um, working with businesses that give a damn. Yeah, and uh, you can no doubt use BFO to help that one get off uh, off the ground through the you know the great googly moogly. But yes. tell tell me more about about that project. Is it a website that's helping people to understand what's behind the products they're buying so they can make make their choices essentially and is there a political ties to it like this company has kowtowed to china and changed what it does or is it all uh, echo based uh so it is there's sort of five five pillars that we're looking at um and it's less about like pillars within specific companies and more about how we consume so uh we consume energy we consume products we consume food uh transportation uh, and then uh, investments in where you put your money uh, are, are kind of the most impactful pillars of, of what we interact with as consumers. Not just consumers who are buying products, but we consume things, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as, as people. So uh, there's different resources out there. Like my, my goal right now, initially, it's going to be a content platform uh, serving up inspiring content. And I, I'm going to be there are apps and services and businesses that are built around each of these pillars today. Uh, and right now my goal is to produce great content consolidated into one place uh, to make it easy for a conscious consumer to, um, to affect change in how they, um, how they interact with the world. Um, so an educational a- platform where they can come to learn about. So do you envision it having an e-commerce element where brands can plug in things to buy in relation to the content where, you know, if you're talking about coffee, maybe I could make uh, some, some good choices on the sustainable coffee that I buy or something like that and buy it from there. Is it, is there going to be an e-com element to it or is it purely education? Uh, purely indirectly. I, I don't, I, I don't foresee it being an e-com platform. The, the thing that I have, there are a lot of apps and services out there of like, Come to here first if, you know, before you buy anything and we'll tell you if it's ecologically sound or, um, so there, there are a lot of, that's a really tough business to be in. Yeah. In verification business. And so there are a lot of resources out there, uh, already. The thing that I, uh, that we are hoping to build as sort of the phase, phase two, uh, is a lens onto your own buying and purchasing habits. Mm. So, uh, so similar to, um, um, mint, right. Where you connect your credit card accounts, yeah. uh, to, to look back retroactively and see if your purchasing habits match your values. Mm-hmm. So it's not meant to be the business police and to say like one, you know, this, this business CEO report, you know, supported this politician and it's certainly not at all going to be defining what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's about consciousness. It's mm-hmm. about, uh, so there's going to be a business database component, uh, pulling data from a number of different sources on uh, carbon impact, uh, CEO pay to average worker pay. Uh, there are a lot of, lot of things where there's publicly available information. Uh, so the, the goal is to help a consumer look at, uh, look at where they've spent their money and, and affect change. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, on so, the investment side, right? So if I view myself as someone who takes uh, or cares about the planet and then I look at my purchases over the last two years and I'm doing business with companies known for not helping the environment or having excessive carbon emissions, then I can judge where I want to put my money going forward. But it's kind of helping, helping to understand that pulling the veil away from what people are doing, not in a vilifying way, just in an educational way where rare. Yeah. 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 So you can be conscious. That's the, um, that is, that is the, the purpose. When's that launching? Oh boy. I tell, I was telling everybody by the end of last year. Oh, so, good, good. <laughs> uh, we're a couple of, we're a couple of months away. Uh, and the initial, the initial piece, we've got a, um, we've got a newsletter that I've curated from a bunch of other sources. Um, so the initial plan is to be a, a, a source of valuable information um, about uh, how you can do better in this world with where you put your money. So it's not a business as much as it's a, like a passion project. You just want to help get this information out there. Uh, it is a passion project, but there are a lot of business components uh, to this uh, later on in the evolution. So the, uh, um, so the conscious investing, you know, to, to be able to look into your mutual funds and portfolios and uh, tell you where you're invested. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that does not align with your values there and then making recommendations on how you can make better decisions. Uh, so there, and so whether it's the affiliate model or whether there, there are a number of different business components, uh, that, that can come out of this. Uh, but you know, as I, as, as I've <laughs> kind of learned with BFO, there's, there's a lot of different directions this could go. And, uh, it's about launching it and, and building on that momentum and, uh, following where we see success and, and traction. That's fun. And then you're, you're also, you said you're following a similar path with BFO moving forward. You're trying to do business more and more with clients that you match, uh, not personalities, but, um, what's important. Values. Yeah. Values. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, uh, I tell you, as you're going through like prospecting, it's a, that's a really tough thing to look up. It's easy to see employee count and revenue size of companies. Um, but that is a, uh, um, that is, that is our focus. You know, we want to, um, impact the world by impacting companies that are impacting the world. And that, that's, I mean, it's great. How, how is that message received by your employees? Was everyone like, yay. Or like, Oh, Oh, great. So now we, now we can't sell to half the people we were already working on or, you know, is it an eye roll and then they get there or was everybody on board? Uh, people are really excited about this, this, uh, this direction. Uh, and you know, we're also just realistic about it, uh, that this is an evolution and that no, this doesn't mean that we're firing every client that, uh, we don't think matches this certain criteria. Um, and you know, one thing, uh, one thing that I've learned from the conscious capitalism movement around inclusivity is, uh, there's a, there's a spectrum, right? There's never any perfect business that's doing all the green things, right? Right. Uh, so we want to be welcoming to, uh, to companies that are maybe have a, you know, a hundred year old supply chain and they can't just switch to being all organic next week. Right. Uh, right. But that they're, you know, recognizing that companies are, taking steps to move in the right, uh, in the right direction. Um, so yeah, that is a, uh, um, it is, it is an evolution, but, uh, it is, it is now our focus and, uh, I'm, I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. That's a perfect place to end this. We're actually over an hour already, so I can let you get back to your eight loads of laundry slash taking over the world in your velour jumpsuit. <laughs> do you do anything else you want to touch on or talk about before we go? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I, I guess I am, uh, as, as you mentioned, this, the audience here is uh, people that are considering starting a business and uh, when and where to take the plunge. So um, happy to share war stories or um, give, give my two cents. Uh, it's not just a clever name. I can be found online. <laughs> um, anybody listening here uh, who made it this far, thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to be a resource or uh Lend an idea or two, because um, I have plenty. Awesome. On that note, we'll just follow up and do another show in like a year and find out how the platform comes together and how all your new clients are doing good around the world. Love it. All right.